Welcome to the Rare Faith Podcast, where the solution to every problem is only an idea away, and where the same activity with just a little more awareness always yields better results. Award-winning, best-selling author, Leslie Householder, brings some of her best information to this inspiring series of life-changing episodes that you won't want to miss. Show notes for this episode can be found at rarekindoffaith.com. Welcome to my class. My name is Leslie Householder, and this class is on rising above financial stress, which it actually works for other kind of stress too. But because this is where I learned the principles personally, this is why I talk about it from that context. So really quick, I just want to give you a little bit of an introduction to me and my family, who we are, why I do what I do. So this is my family about four or five years ago, and this was kind of my dream. I just pictured myself having a large family, being happy, and trucking through life, helping the kids become all they can be. And that seemed like a simple dream. I wasn't looking for fancy life or anything. I just wanted this basic, this basic thing that I was sure would bring me joy. And so when we married, the plan was for me to be a stay-at-home mom. I wanted that. My husband wanted that for his kids also, and so we were agreed on it. But once we married, uh, we weren't financially prepared for me to be a stay-at-home mom. Uh, first baby came along, though, and we decided to go on faith, that we believed this is what God wanted for our family, and so uh, surely he would prepare a way. Uh, so first baby comes along. I quit my job. We were not financially prepared to do that, but it was this leap of faith that I thought somehow it's going to work out because I believe. And so... Long story short, that was like the beginning of seven-year odyssey of real pain, struggle, frustration, and a test of my faith, where I had not previously questioned in my life whether or not there was a God. I started asking those questions because I'm like, I feel really abandoned. This is a vision that I feel like he'd given us, so where is the way that was promised? And I would look around at other families, and I'm like, how do they have a camcorder for their kids? to capture those moments. How do they afford that? You know, we're not, we're hardly keeping the electricity on, let alone having a camcorder. How'd that work? Um, how do they have a car that starts? <laughs> how do they have, how do they get to live above ground? You know, it, just all these little things that we couldn't figure it out. We were working multiple jobs. I ended up having to go back to work after that first year because my husband lost his job. Um, we were going to school. We were doing multiple jobs. We were janitorial work at night. My husband worked at a metal shop. I was teaching part-time and, and really depressed that I couldn't be with my kids like I wanted to be. Fast forward a little bit, and I'm going to go through this really fast because I have a lot I want to cover before our time is up. But after about seven years of looking for answers and being convinced that there had to be something about the way we were thinking that was causing a problem. We had some friends that could see that the way we were responding to our challenges was contributing to the perpetuation of those problems. And we couldn't see it. And so they had us coming to these events like this one that you're at today that, that teach you how to think positive, teach you how to feel good about yourself, teach you how to overcome challenges. And so we were going to these events and spending grocery money that we didn't have, um, going into debt, we were desperate. For understanding and the only reason that we kept going is because every time we went to one we get a nugget that would give us hope and we thought oh 
that's what we need to tweak. That's what we can change. We go home and we feel excited about the potential again, and we're going to make this work. And we had friends who didn't just have stay-at-home moms, but stay-at-home dads too. And I'm like, well, why not? Let's go for that, right? As long as we're dreaming big, let's dream for really big. And so I counted it up once, how many times we would go to an event just to try to get some insight into how to break out of this. And it wasn't just that we didn't have money for our, our basic needs. We were having car trouble. We were having medical bills. We were having, it's like we couldn't get in front of it. And I couldn't understand what we were, what was so special about us that we seemed to be the ones to get it all. We were trying to be obedient to God's laws as we understood them, because we felt like that was, you know, where our confidence was, that if anything was going to happen, if there was going to be a miracle, it was going to be because we were trying to be obedient. And so this went on. I think I told you that we went to over 100 seminars over these years. And finally, I got to a point where I was like, you know what, honey, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep going to events where we don't have money. And, and sometimes it's only $10 here, $10 there, but it added up. There were a few that we would spend more for if it was out of state, but we would sell things. People are wondering, well, if you're so broke, how'd you afford all these seminars? I sold my wedding dress to go to seminars. You know, I sold anything of value. He sold his guns. He sold his dune buggy that he brought from, from high school years. You know, we were just trying to be as resourceful as we could be and sacrificing everything we had we ended up living in this place, and nothing wrong with living in a place like this, but it was not what I envisioned. This was when I had two children at the time. There were just two bedrooms here, and we were not smokers, but the smoke coming in through the outlets in the wall from the neighbors was a constant reminder that life was not the way I dreamed it to be. And besides, I didn't feel like that was very healthy. <laughs> this was another shot of that location. And it was at this place where I, I was never technically diagnosed, but I know I suffered with clinical depression. There's no question. I got to a point where living in this location, I came outside one day to find that my broom had been broken in half. And it was just one of those last straw moments, like a neighbor kid had broken my broom. I called the police on the kid who broke my broom. That's where my mentality was. If you've got a neighbor like that, they're going through something, you know? And It's been a long time since I've allowed myself to remember what it was like to be there. But I remember it because I know that there are other people still suffering. This is why I do what I do. Because ultimately, there was another event that came along, and there was a speaker there who said it in a different way. The same principles, but a little bit differently. And I heard it differently. And my husband and I, as we were listening to this explanation of how to change your life, how to apply faith for true change, which I call now rare faith, and I'll explain in a minute why. The lights went on, and we look at each other, and we realize what we've been doing wrong all along. And we just, our mouths dropped open, and we're like, I get it. I get it. And this time we went home, and it wasn't just two weeks later that we're depressed again, but this one stuck. And it has stuck now for 19 years. It was 19 years ago that I heard this explanation of how faith works. And it's stuck so much that it has become my life's work to help other people understand it because we came home from that applying this new way of living faith and tripled our income in three months. 
This was after seven years of just beating our head against the wall. And the change was so dramatic and at the same time predictable because we were applying faith in a different way and applying laws of thinking uh, that we had come to understand. And so after, after that happened, I went and trained with that speaker to facilitate his programs because I was so empowered by it and I, and I felt for other families who were struggling. So I went and trained with him to teach his programs and then at this time I had five kids at home now and one on the way and to put on an event when you're five kids and one on the way and your husband, he does make better money but he's traveling two and a half hours each way to get to it, you know. So it wasn't entirely ideal but it was a big breakthrough. The, the cash flow did make a difference and it was worth it at the time. So instead of teaching the programs, I thought, you know what, I need to get this information out in a way that I can just stay at home and stop needing to be at events all the time. And so I wrote a book called The Jackrabbit Factor. And what I did was I put all those nuggets that we gathered along the way and wove it into a story. Because I, I read books before too, you know? And, and when the lights went on and we finally got it, I thought, well, why didn't they just say it like this? <laughs> why did I have to go seven years, 100 seminars, when they could have just said it like this in three hours and I'd be done. So that's the book I wrote. And you're gonna to wanna to read it, The Jackrabbit Factor, if you haven't read it yet. It is a free download. You can go download it for free, the whole thing, at jackrabbitfactor.com. Jackrabbitfactor.com. It became a bestseller. I also wrote a book called Hidden Treasures, Heaven's Astonishing Help With Your Money Matters, which uh, The Jackrabbit Factor is story form and Hidden Treasures is more nuts and bolts form. Uh, breaks it down, and it breaks it down from my, from my background, from my perspective, my faith tradition. But what's really powerful about the whole idea is that it's based on principles. And even though I wrote Hidden Treasures to an audience of people who are from my faith, I've had feedback from members of all denominations in how it's changed their life too, and that's because they are true principles that are common among all people no matter what the backgrounds are. And I love that. I love that about it. So. After our breakthrough, and I started realizing, oh my gosh, this promise that ask and you shall receive is a true promise. That's not just smoke and mirrors. There's something to it. And I get it. And so we started dreaming about, okay, what do we want our life to look like? How do we want it to go? And we started applying these principles and teaching them. And ultimately, we were able to move into what I called the family magnet. This was part of my vision, my dream to move my family into a place where they would want to be at home, where the kids would want to bring their friends, where we could create an atmosphere and environment that could inspire others. And you can be all impressed with this if you want to. We ended up having to sell it during the recession. <laughs> and there is a part two to the story that I'm gonna to get to, but this to me was evidence just to remember that we could go from there to, to this with just a change in the way we were thinking. And it was so powerful to me. So what changed? I saw life through a different lens. And I'm gonna invite you to do this with me right now. Uh, on the next screen, I'm going to show you 60 numbers. And what your job is, is to just try to find number one with your eyes, and then find number two, and try to find them all in sequential order and see if there's any missing. And I'll give you a minute to do that and see how far you get, okay? Okay, here we go. Go. 
stop. Okay, so how far did you get? Somebody? 12, 12, 21, 32, 38, 14, 19. Awesome. Okay, we're going to do it again. This time I want you to notice that number one is in the top right quadrant, number two is in the next quadrant this way, and it goes around. Okay. So. Everybody feel good? You too can do this. Let's do it again. I'm going to give you another minute, see how well you do starting now. Stop. I actually lost track of the timer. Who did, who did better the second time? Okay. I think it was pretty accurate. What was the difference? Quadruple difference. So what made it easier? Structure. Structure. There was structure. There was structure here too. Yeah. What really made the difference? Structure. It, it's still defined. <laughs> that you're aware there's structure. The structure's already there, but you're aware of the structure. Same activity, higher awareness, better results. So do you see where I'm going with this? There is structure to how faith works. There's structure to how our needs are met, how God provides for us. There is a pattern and a structure and a dependability to it that if we understand it, our awareness alone can cause us to just click through and get it right. Does that make sense? Super powerful. So... There is a law irrevocably decreed in heaven before the foundations of this world upon which all blessings are predicated. And when we obtain any blessing from God, it is by obedience to that law upon which it was predicated. What I had done was I had boiled down everything that I thought I knew to this one basic concept that if I am good, I will prosper. If I am obedient to God's commandments, I will prosper. I just didn't know which law was connected to the blessings of prosperity because I was trying to live one law expecting the blessings of this other law, and they were not necessarily connected. And so it's kind of like obeying the speed limit and thinking you can shoplift without consequences. They're not connected. So rare faith is what I call it now. It's the faith that causes things to happen. And Boy K. Packer said, there are two kinds of faith. One of them functions ordinarily in the life of every soul. It is the kind of faith that relates us with confidence to that which is scheduled to happen. There is another kind of faith, rare indeed. This is the kind of faith that causes things to happen. It is worthy and prepared and unyielding, and it calls forth things that otherwise would not be. It is the kind of faith that moves people. It is the kind of faith that sometimes moves things. Directed and channeled, it has great effect. Now, you can find this at my blog, rarefaith.org. So just about everything that I'm going to be showing you here, you can get to from my blog. Or you can contact me and I can point you to it. So the power of symbols. Power of symbols in faith. Every one of these symbols represents a faith, a faith tradition. And for a person who subscribes to that faith, one look at that symbol can mean to them a whole body of work, a whole collection of concepts, ideas, promises, commitments, covenants. One symbol can represent 
feelings, emotions, memories, right? That's the power of a symbol. The power of symbol in math. If I were to give you a math problem, addition, a simple addition problem, and I were to say, what is the sum of 3,452,695.30 and 7,812,041.93? Is that a simple problem? Is it simple or not? Addition? It's not too hard, right? If what? So I ask you that question verbally. Can you answer it? Why not? Because you needed to write it down. Got it. I've got you covered. Here we go. What is the sum of three million four? These are symbols. These are symbols. What if we boil it down into something a little more representative? Okay, numbers. Now is it simple? All right. This was me learning these principles of faith. I had been hearing about faith, you know, audibly my whole life. I was going to these events. People were yakking on stage, teaching me how to believe in my dreams, how to achieve what I wanted to achieve. I'm like, yeah, 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 I get it, I get it, I get it. I go home, I'm like, I have no idea what to do with that. I don't know how to apply it. And so then I'd read a book, and they'd talk all about it. Okay, got it, got it, got it, you know. And then I'd get back to my life, and I wouldn't know how to apply it. And so then along comes the speaker who shows me success principles in symbol form. And it boiled it down. I'm like, I know what to do. I can do that. And I'm going to share that with you in a very short period of time. Okay, here we go. The power of symbols in rising above financial stress. I'm going to introduce you to the mind model. Don't take notes on this. It's all on my blog, okay? We're just going to zoom through it. This was originally created by Dr. Thurman Fleet, creator of concept therapy. I learned it from a man by the name of Bob Proctor. That is who I facilitated programs with years ago, almost 20 years ago. It's just a visual aid, it's a diagram that helps us understand how our mind works and how to apply faith. Our conscious mind, so this is just a diagram, a model for our mind, and our mind is not our brain. Our mind is a sum total of all the components that make up who we are for the purpose of this model. It's our consciousness. This is where our awareness lies. It's the part of our mind that adds meaning to experiences. When something happens, it just is what it is. We're the ones that consciously say that was bad or that was good. An experience, we add the meaning to it. It has the ability to accept and reject ideas, and it has the ability to create new ideas. Now, I want you to kind of burn into your brain these symbols, because these symbols are going to represent some powerful powerful processes. The subconscious part of our mind controls our automatic life-sustaining functions. It's the part of us that keeps us breathing at night and our heart beating all day long. It can't reject ideas, and it responds to thoughts that are charged with emotion. Our body is a tool of the mind, so we include it in the model. It's where our behaviors are displayed, our health conditions are manifest, and our actions are carried out. This is the physical component of our mind. It's the tool. James Allen wrote a book over 100 years ago, and he said the outer conditions of a person's life will always be found to be harmoniously related to his inner state. Men do not attract that which they want, but that which they are. So if we look at the model, men do not attract that which they want consciously and not which they do. It doesn't matter what you do, and it doesn't matter what you think. 
It's who you are in here that's going to determine your results. It's what's going on in your subconscious mind that's going to have a control over your results. One of the laws, and my book Hidden Treasures talks about eight of them. This is just one of them. And Hidden Treasures book is also a free download at hiddentreasuresbook.com. The law of vibration says that all things are in a state of vibration. On a molecular level, this table is even vibrating. Atoms and molecules bumping around. It's a model that we've come to accept. We control our personal vibration by choosing our thoughts and the resultant feelings. A feeling is nothing more than a conscious awareness of a particular vibration. And we naturally attract people and opportunities which are in harmony with our personal vibration and we repel all others. <sighs> so when we saw this, we're like, oh. Here's the problem, though. We have these little antenna on the top of our mind model. Uh, there are five senses. We see, hear, taste, touch, and smell. And through these little antenna, we gather data. And as we gather data, we look at what's around us. We look at our environment, we look at our circumstances, and we decide if something is possible based on the evidence that we see. So in other words, we're looking at our results, which were, by the way, caused by what was going on in our subconscious mind in the first place. So we're looking at X results, reflecting the X subconscious going on, and we're like, ooh, we don't like that. So we take that data in, we look at it, we're like, ooh, I don't like that. We think about it consciously. We think about how things are not going well. We think about how that broke. We're thinking about how the car won't start. I was doing this constantly. And thoughts that are charged with emotion get turned over to the subconscious mind. And that's what I was doing. There are two factors that determine what programs are going to run in the subconscious mind to determine that vibrational frequency. Number one, thoughts that are repeated often and two, thoughts that are charged with emotion. So all those years that I was looking at what was going on and feeling upset and angry about it, I was perpetuating it. So we take it in, it moves us into a corresponding vibration and we get more of the same. So the question is, how do you feel about your challenge or problem or how do you feel about the life that you have? Do you see how important it is to go to gratitude no matter what's going on? You've heard of Corey Ten Boom who was in the German prison camps, concentration camps, and they were reading scripture that said, we must give thanks in all things. And it says, well, I'm not going to give thanks for the fleas. These fleas are horrible. She says, we have to give thanks in all things. And it was later that they found out that the guards were leaving them alone because of the fleas. So we must give thanks in all things. And as we find gratitude and feel differently, instead of doing what I was doing, being mad about my situation so often, finding gratitude for what is even if we don't understand why it's good for us, choosing to believe that it is will help break that cycle. I'm going to go really fast through this. The significant problems we face in life cannot be solved at the same level of thinking we were at when we created them. So here's how you intercept it. You go back to that faculty of the creative mind, the conscious mind that can create new ideas, and you imagine what's possible. You let yourself ponder the possibilities. You think about what things would be like if they were better. So often we're like, well, I don't want this, I don't want this, well, what do you want? I don't know, I just don't want this. And we have to flip that. We have to get a picture in our mind of what we're trying to create instead. As we allow ourselves to ponder the possibilities and we let ourselves feel it, what would that feel like? What would that feel like? 
You know, in that little apartment, I did this. I was so depressed one time, I went to bed, and I'm like, you know, all those speakers telling me to picture what I want, dream big, fine, I will. And I went in my room, and I got in the covers, and I'm like, I'm just going to pretend like I have the life I want, because I'm sick of this. In the back of my mind, it's telling me, oh, Leslie, you are so pathetic. Has it really come to this? <laughs> but I imagine, what would it be like to be in a home of my own? You know what? I have no idea. I know I want one, but I've never thought that through. Huh. And I tried to picture it. And the only way you can really truly answer the question how it would feel is to imagine it to the detail that your subconscious mind thinks it's true. Because it can't distinguish the difference between an experience that is real and one that is imagined. So if you can imagine it vividly enough, it will think it's happening. And when it thinks it's happening, it will release the endorphins that you would be experiencing if it was really true. It doesn't know. That's why it gives you the endorphins. It's like, oh, you've got it, great. Here's some endorphins. It doesn't know that it isn't true. I did this, and I felt pretty great for just a few moments. I'm like, oh, that was neat. And then I had to get back to life, and I didn't know I had done anything. A year later, we were living in our first home. And I can trace it back to that moment, because it was a year that took for things to shift and move. And things are shifting and moving constantly according to our thoughts. We just don't see it happening, and so it's easy to believe and then give up. Believe and give up. And as we're believing, it's gathering. And when we give up, it starts to draw away. And this dance, we don't even see it happening. We don't see it happening. That's why you have to hold on to belief, even if it takes till the day you die. I commit to believe in this thing that I want to see accomplished in my life and in my family's life, no matter how long it takes, because I'm not going to be the limiting factor here. I will not be the limiting factor. As you imagine it and feel it, it moves your body into a, a new vibration, a new kind. And by law, the results will become a natural byproduct of that. So here is what determines your results. Your results are determined by the thoughts for which you have the strongest emotion and the most repeated emotions. So how do you think most often? What do you think about? Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. How would it feel if it was already accomplished? Here's my part two to the story. After everything's going better and we're teaching this stuff and the books are bestsellers and then my husband, he quit his job so that we could do what we do full time together. It was a dream. We hit the road. We started homeschooling our kids and we hit the road and did speaking tours together. And it was, it was wonderful. We had so much fun doing that. It was a dream. We also started investing in real estate at the top of the market because we thought we were super savvy because we'd done really well a few years earlier. And we weren't super savvy. <laughs> we found out. So the rug got pulled out from under us. And my books are already out there telling people how to prosper. And we're not prospering. I mean, the business is growing. The business is going really well. But it's not going fast enough to keep up with the houses that are tanking that we were sitting on. And so... For about two years, I am fighting this mental battle. Like, I don't even want to teach it anymore. I don't even know what I know anymore. It was hard and depressing. And we ended up getting to the end of all we could see. We had like $200 left in the bank. Uh, we had about $15,000 coming due in two weeks. No paycheck in sight. And wondering, what are we going to do? And we didn't know what we were going to do. We had no idea. But we did know that we had to get this thing, thinking straight. We had to get our thinking back, and we were, we were black and blue emotionally. We, you know, the recession happened. 
we were about two years ahead of the recession. We were feeling it for everybody about two years early, and we hung on for about five years uh, before we had to finally short sell our home and start over. So that's not my home anymore. <laughs> but what we did is I said, honey, it's our anniversary. Could we just go out to eat for two hours and pretend like everything's okay? Can we just pretend like everything's okay for two hours? We haven't gone out to eat in a year. He's like, what the heck? You know, <laughs> what the heck? So we went to Macaroni Grill. <laughs> I found the receipt. I bought a $2 soup. Yeah. This is especially funny because of a macaroni grill reference earlier. Oh, and I missed it. Yeah. I missed it. Not because it's funny that you went there. <laughs> well, I don't know. While we're there, while we're there, we decided, you know what? How are we going to get through this month? I have no idea. How are we going to get through the week? No clue. Think we'll have it figured out in 10 years? Oh, yeah, of course. We'll figure it out by then. Then let's talk about what we'll be doing in 10 years. So we spent the dinner dreaming. What are we going to be doing in 10 years? How old are the kids going to be? Where will they be? What are they doing? What are we doing? Will we still be teaching this stuff? Yeah, that's what we do. Will we be doing it out of a van? Maybe, but this is what we do. And by the end of the dinner, do you think our vibration was changed? Absolutely. We hadn't let ourselves do this in a very long time. We, we just were too afraid and we did it. Paid the bill, went out to the car, as he's opening my door and putting me in the car, the waiter comes running out and says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Chases us down, waving a paper, and he says, because it's your anniversary, the meal's on us. We had already paid the bill, and they avoided it. They chased us down to tell us. And that's when we looked at each other and we're like, this is where we need to stay. We need to keep our vibration in a way that God can keep blessing us with what we need as we need it. And I just want to make this point. I've only got three minutes left. At that moment where we went, things were so bad, this would have helped me. <laughs> if you think you've blown God's plan for your life, rest in this. You, my friend, are not that powerful. <laughs> my first run with the principles taught me how to create. But my second run with the principles taught me how not to fear. It wasn't about the money anymore. It wasn't about how much money can I make so that we can be at peace. God taught us that we could be at peace without the money. And as we lived in peace without the money, he kept the money coming like manna from heaven. And we tested this and we practiced it. And oh, I wish I had like 10 more minutes. Fear not, O ye sisters, who have assembled yourselves together, and whose prayers I have heard, and whose hearts I know, and whose desires have come up before me. Behold, and lo, mine eyes are upon you, and the heavens and the earth are in mine hands, and the riches of eternity are mine to give. Ye endeavored to believe that ye should receive the blessing which was offered unto you, but behold, verily I say unto you, there were fears in your hearts, and this is the reason ye did not receive. I lived in fear all those years. And if I could just sum it all up, I would say, fear not. It's nothing new. But what I've learned is that that is the law. Those are the lines on the number search. As you fear not, he will continue to provide. That is how to obey this law. Fear not. Expecting a miracle, it's not a feeling of entitlement, but it is a knowing. It's not demanding, but it is allowing. 
It's not needing, but anticipating. It's not boastful, but it's grateful. My husband had gotten another job to help us get back on our feet, but in 2015, he lost his job. And he had lost his jobs before. We've seen that before, but we lived in fear before. And when he came home in 2015, and we were practicing this way, remembering the law of polarity, which you'll find in Hidden Treasures, he came home and he's like, well, we have a great opportunity. And I said, okay, this is good. He took a deep breath and says, I choose to believe this is going to turn into something amazing. And within a half an hour, he got a phone call that got him a better job. A seed he had planted prior to him losing the job showed up that day, 30 minutes later, when we chose faith. Peter on the water. He was walking on the water, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. Think of the stick man. He was looking at his results instead of thinking of the God who was caring for him. When you're riding a bike, do you look at where you're at or where you're going? If you're going to look at where you're at and focus there, you're going to crash. Look at where you're going. Perfect love casteth out all fear. And I just want to end with this. There's nothing here that you're not going to find in my podcast or, or my blog. So we're missing stuff, but you won't miss it if you go there, rarefaith.org. Uh, if you fear and the worst happens, you've lived it twice. <laughs> so let's just experience it once if it's going to happen at all. I want to point this out. You've heard perhaps the promise, if ye are prepared, ye shall not fear. It doesn't say if ye are prepared, ye shall not suffer. It's a promise that you shall not fear because that is the true promise of power. Because when there is no fear, you will be supported through every trial by law. If ye are prepared, ye shall not fear. Not fearing is the greatest blessing. Having that peace. So how can we prepare? How can we do that? What if you're already out of time because there's a pressing bill already due. These principles work as quickly as you align with them. Problems can be solved within minutes if they need to be. But there's time to learn what you need to learn, to solve the problem you need to solve. Things are going to be okay. Take a deep breath and trust that there's time to learn just enough to make the shift you need. So the cure for fear is not courage. The cure for fear is knowledge. And I'm going to show you why you don't need to have fear. I need to end... But because this summer marks 10 years from that restaurant moment, this summer is 10 years. We're back in a dream home as of August. My husband and I are teaching these principles more extensively and reaching more people than ever before. Everything that we had imagined ourselves doing 10 years ago, we are doing now. And the greatest gift, though, is understanding how to turn off the fear. Because even now, there are times where, ooh, how are we going to accomplish that? Or, ooh, what are we going to do about that? And thank heavens, I want to stay sharp. I don't want it to be easy. I want to know that I need to rely on God. Because that's where I find my joy. That's where I find my peace. And each one stretches us a little bit. But that's why we're here. We're here to grow. So I want to show you why you don't need to fear in celebrating our 10-year anniversary of that restaurant moment. I want to give each of you a free access to our Fundamentals e-course. It's normally $37. This flyer is just outside the store. As you walk out, you can pick one up. There's a promo code at the bottom for You Got This uh, that you'll want to use to get access to it. But it has 
a bunch of downloads and 20 extra lessons and this awesome audio and it's going to help you not have fear and you'll see difference as quickly as you feel that faith let me and i thank you for being here today's episode of the Rare Faith Podcast. You've been listening to Leslie Householder, author of The Jackrabbit Factor, Portal to Genius, and Hidden Treasures, Heaven's Astonishing Help with Your Money Matters. All three books can be downloaded free at a rarekindoffaith.com. So tell your friends and join Leslie again next time as she goes even deeper into the principles that will help you change your life.